joining us, want to uh, give you a very warm welcome. We're so glad that you're here to celebrate with those who are being baptized. Uh, this is truly an, an incredible morning uh, for those that we are uh, we're doing this with. Uh, you know, there, there's some hilarious stories that I've heard uh, when it comes to water baptism. And, and there was once, uh, one that I heard, there was once a rather large lady that was uh, being baptized in a church in the southern states. And, and this church was one of those, maybe you've seen this, where they, they installed a glass baptistry um, on kind of into the stage so you could see the whole tank. So when, when a person was brought down into this tank, they're literally seeing the entire person go down. So the problem with this particular instance was that the pastor baptizing this lady was a man who is a bit small in stature. And so when he went to take her down, her defense mechanisms kicked in and she grabbed him by the neck. And as they're going down, she's kind of wrestling him almost like a crocodile, bringing its prey into its lair. And, 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 and this is all on display for all of the people watching this. They're seeing as he's being trampled underneath in the tank and there's this purple hue that's beginning to come on his face. It actually happened. So hopefully that's not going to happen here this morning. And we don't, as you can see, we don't have a tank that you can see into like that. But in just a little bit, we're going we're gonna to get, um, get into this tank. Those of us who are, those who are being baptized and those who are baptizing them, we're going to get into this tank here behind us. This tank that you can't see it, but it's, it's full of water. And, and we're going to dunk people in this tank underwater. We're, we're going to like actually dunk them under. They're going to get fully immersed and wet, and, and hopefully there isn't any technical difficulties in that. But, and, and I hope that as we do this, right, as we're dunking these people in this tank, I, I hope that when they come out that we're going to shout, we're going to cheer, like we're going to celebrate, okay? I know sometimes we can be a little docile in Mennonite communities in this area. It's okay to get loud in church, Okay, it's really, it's okay, and I want to just invite you to get loud this morning. You know, this past week, my wife, unbeknownst to me, I was watching a football game Monday night, I was getting pretty pumped because my team was crushing the other team, and so I was like, in my living room, I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, at one point, I'm like, yeah, and she filmed this and put this on social media, and I was like, what? And then I was like, Whatever. It's okay, because that's honestly, when my team is crushing it in football, that's what I do. That's what we can do this morning, okay? That kind of stuff in church, like, just, you know what? Because we're crushing the work of the enemy in these people's lives. And so we're, let's, let's get pumped as we're getting into baptism this morning. Yeah, there you go. So, before all this, before we get pumped, before these people get dunked, uh, I want to I talk a little bit more about all of this this morning. And I, and I want to I come at it from the perspective of someone who might be looking at this or hearing this and going, what in the world is going on? And, and, and might be like, why are these people doing this? I mean, why would you get into a tank of water and get all wet? Like, what is the deal with all of this? Why wouldn't we do something else to you know, show that we're serious about our faith. So, and, and the reason that I want to do this is that it may help us as well to understand the depth of the step for those being baptized, the step that they're taking, and the powerful, powerful witness that baptism is 
to the rest of it. And so that's kind of what I want to focus on here for the next few minutes is just the powerful witness that baptism is to us. And because, you know, what, what we, I just explained here can seem extremely strange to, to, some, to someone, right? Like, why are we descending into this tank? Why are we doing this? Why, why would they do this? It, it's an act that some people might look at and go, yeah, like, like that's a little bit weird. Like, really? So, that's what we want to explore this morning. What, what's the deal with baptism? Why do we do this? Why, why do we put such emphasis on this? And, and, you know, where maybe we need to start is that baptism is really a story. Baptism is a story. It's, a, it's telling a story of individuals who have met Jesus, who have experienced the life of Jesus in their lives and want to publicly declare that they desire to follow his way. And within that, there's a story. And some are smaller, some are huge, but it's a story. You know, the word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means to immerse. In fact, it was a word that was, in the first century, was used to describe a ship that would be underwater. If it was fully immersed in water, it would be known as, it was baptizo. It was completely immersed. So, how would we also, how would we communicate this, though, to a 21st century culture, what we're doing this morning? What, what does this represent? Well, I, I would say, I would start by saying that this is actually also about identity. This is, this is about what defines us. This act is what represents us who ultimately see ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ. Again, embracing everything that we said this morning in the Apostles' Creed, the belief that Jesus came to earth. He was fully God and yet fully man. He, he came to show us the way to God and through his suffering through his death and resurrection from the dead. He has provided a way for us to know God and to be in relationship with him, to love him and to walk with him. And then as we do this, we receive healing from our brokenness and continual transformation to be more and more like Jesus. And so baptism is a powerful witness to the good news of Jesus having changed our lives. And so... For the next little bit here, I just want to examine that a little bit deeper to understand the incredible step that Alicia, Thomas, and Michaela are taking. And hopefully by the end of it, we're going to be full of expectation ourselves for what we are about to witness here this morning. And so I want to, I want to do this by looking at some verses that the Apostle Paul spoke and wrote in Romans 6. Um, the verses that we're going to read, they, they start with a question where we're going to pick up. And so I want to um, you can turn with me to Romans 6 if you have your Bibles with you. We'll have it on the screen as well. But I want to give some context um, for, for what we're going to be reading and where we're going to be picking up. Because leading up to these verses, it's speaking of the gift of grace and how many have been made righteous. That this gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus and his sacrificial death and what that means. And so that's sort of where we're picking up here in Romans 6 verse 3. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. <laughs> Amen. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. When we pray, Jesus, I, I want to thank you for these words. I want to thank you for your death. I want to thank you for your resurrection that has brought us life and brings us life continuously. We live out of your life and the, and the work of the Spirit within us. And so, Lord, I pray right now that as we work through this for a few minutes, Lord, that you would just help us to understand these words, to understand the depth, sorry, <laughs> to understand the depth of what you are doing in our midst today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm hoping we're not, we may be having some sound issues. I know that, that we've been having some sound issues online. Um, so I think that some people have been alerting us to that. So hopefully we're, right now our, our sound is coming through one of our cameras. Uh, hopefully you're picking it up. If you're not, um, I apologize. Maybe, yeah, I, I'm going to leave it there. I, I'm going to have to just push through. <laughs> so um, the verses that we read. What do these verses reveal about baptism? That's really the question that we want to ask this morning. And first, we see that baptism is about obedience. You know, in, in the Old Testament, the waters and the seas are generally are seen as being representative of evil and death and chaos. That's, that's how they looked at the waters. And we see this in the Old Testament where Noah and the flood, and in the New Testament, Peter speaks of Noah and his family being coming and being saved through water. Uh, when, we, when we look at the story of Moses and the people of Israel, we see how they are brought through the Red Sea on dry ground, and it's, it's God's work of saving his people. In fact, in Exodus 15, uh, Moses sings about how he has become my salvation. And it's foreshadowing this work of Jesus' uh, death on the cross and his saving work. And so baptism is partly, it's, it's this thing of being brought through water, and it represents death to life. And so when, and then when we look at baptism and, and these ceremonial purifications that were part of the Jewish faith and part of the Jewish tradition, John the Baptist 
when he came in preparing the way of the Lord, he was baptizing people in that regard. He was baptizing them for a repentance of sins. Out of this desire to be made clean and people wanting to be right before God. And so then we see that in Scripture, we see that Jesus came and was baptized by John, not because he had sin, but he said to fulfill all righteousness in Matthew 3.15. Jesus modeled the example for us when it came to baptism. John himself actually recognized that the baptism that Jesus would bring was different than what he was doing. He said, he's the, he's the one who's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll come back to that a little bit later. But John 4 also reveals that Jesus, after this, he had his disciple baptize those who were following him. So he wasn't necessarily doing it all the time, but he had his disciples baptize them. And before Jesus' ascension, we know that he came, before he went back into heaven, he commissioned his disciples to baptize the disciples they would make into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then... As we, as we move along and we get to this passage in Romans 6 that we just read, this is about 25 years later or so after that, and Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and we can see from what he's writing that his expectation is that those who are followers of Jesus have been baptized, that this is just a normative part of what it means to follow the way of Jesus. We could go on, we could look at the early writings of the church fathers and beyond. We won't, but, but clearly... The earliest followers of Jesus saw the act of baptism as a clear command and a step of obedience for all of those who would seek to follow the way of Jesus. And this step of obedience, it's also an act of submission and humility. On, on, you know, on one hand, it can be seen as a simple act. Like, like why even bother? What's, what's the big deal? And yet, it's a clear command from Jesus. Every mention of it in the New Testament is imperative rather than optional. Jesus revealed that, that we are to receive the kingdom of heaven as a child. Baptism, you know, there's a part of it that can seem a bit childish, right? Like getting into a tank with our, our, our clothes on in front of a bunch of people here, and, and we're going to declare our love for Jesus and our obedience to his way, and then being dunked under the water is sort of kind of a, a prove-it sort of you know, response, like, I'm doing this, and I'm going to prove my love for Jesus by doing this, and you can, can kind of feel a little bit like, oh, that feels a little bit off-putting. This is about humility. There's a part of this that is about humility. In fact, in Hindu and Muslim and Jewish purification traditions, people actually baptize themselves with water. But followers of Jesus are baptized by someone else, and the very act of baptism is meant to communicate surrender. This is even what can keep some of those who are, who are following Christ and for one reason or another haven't been baptized or were baptized as infants or, or may feel like for one reason or another they should be re-baptized, but, but they don't take that step because it, it's, there's, there's an act of, of humility and surrender in this. There's vulnerability in what we're doing. Inherently, it calls us to vulnerability in verses 5 to 7, or sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here. Jen, you're saying there's no link anymore? Okay. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for a second. Um, we do, I do not know why we're having technological difficulties this morning. Um, give me one second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Samuel, actually, can you come up here with, with the iPad to me? Or Tanya? 
Thank you for, you know what, for those of us here, we can pause. I know there's people online who really want to see this this morning. Um, Okay, we should be live again. Jen, if you want to, uh, if you want to text me, um, someone want to take this from me? I don't want this distraction. Of all mornings, right? Like of all the mornings. If it, if it, uh, yeah, let me know, Jen, if it's on uh, when you can. Yeah, I just started. A, it should be just streaming again on on the web on the uh, on the site. All right. So the second thing. Uh, let's, okay, this is, a, for us here, this, this can tend right now to be a distraction, right? Let's just not be distracted. I'm, and I'm telling myself that. I don't want to be distracted. Because what, what we're doing here this morning is really important, what, what the Lord wants to do. So secondly, baptism is about ownership. In, in verses 5 to 7 here that we read in Romans 6, it speaks of baptism as this outward act that speaks of this inner spiritual conviction that, that we are united with Christ in his death. And, and we regard ourselves as crucified alongside Jesus. We, we are no longer under the power of sin. We're no longer slaves to it. That's what we're doing this morning. In Galatians 2.20, it's what Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In 1 Corinthians 6, it talks about how we no longer regard ourselves as our own. We were bought with a price. And, and, and that price was the incredible price of the sacrificial death of Jesus. And then just a, a few verses later here in Romans 6, in, as Paul's continuing to unpack and the implications of this for our lives, he says, we have been set free from sin and now we see ourselves as slaves to righteousness. So as Paul said numerous times in the New, in the New Testament, he, keep, he kept coming back to this. When he would introduce himself, he would say, I am a slave of Jesus Christ. Now some of our, our Bibles will say servant, but the Greek root of that word is slave. He was calling himself, I'm, I'm, I'm a slave. Like, I am bonded to Christ. Whatever he wants me to do, I am arrested by Jesus. I am completely surrendered to him. And that's what he's saying here in Romans 6. Like, this is how we are to regard ourselves in Christ. Totally surrendered to his purposes. Totally surrendered to his glory. You know, a number of, a number of years ago, there were some students who were playing with a Ouija board and they were asking this Ouija board questions, and they were asking, you know, their birthdays and their future partners and so on, and, and um, they, they actually received from some really accurate answers that they were not aware of. And so they started to get more bold as they were playing with this Ouija board, and so they, they got to the point of asking the Ouija board the death, the date of the death of their teacher, what it would be. And surprisingly, they were shocked, they got a date that was in the past, and it really shook them. They didn't know what to do with it. And so through a couple of things that came out with their teacher, they shared this because they, were so, they didn't know what to do with it. So they shared this date with their teacher. And he realized in that moment that was the date that he had been saved 
and baptized. Which is incredible, right? Because the Ouija board is, is a demonic game. And as far as Satan was concerned, whose demon was communicating with them through the Ouija board, he really had died on that date that had been given. And so baptism into Jesus in Scripture, that just, it really shows that it is understood as a spiritual death. We are identifying with the death of Jesus and his resurrection to eternal life. And baptism is a symbolic act where immersion into this water is identification with Jesus' death and being brought out of the waters, we're going to do, symbolizes our conviction that in Jesus we also are raised to eternal life. You know, another pastor, I know he told the story of a, a friend of his who was involved in a baptism and in this particular baptism, there was a biker who was being baptized, a former biker, and he wanted to follow Christ by being baptized. And he, he, however, he was conscious. He had a tattoo on his one shoulder that read Hell's Angel. Not, not Hell's Angel, but Hell's Angel. And, and he, he was like, I, I don't want to be identified with this anymore. So they prayed about it, and when he went down into the water and came back out of the water, the tattoo was gone miraculously, the tattoo was gone. You know, it was God proved for him, like, you are dying to your old way of life. You no longer live to that. And it is this conviction that we have of dying to our old self, whether or not something like miraculous like that has to happen here. I don't think we're baptizing anyone with any of tattoos like that this morning. That's not the point, right? It's this symbolic act is that we are saying we no longer live for ourselves. We're not living to that old way of life. We are surrendered to Jesus and he is the ultimate treasure of our lives. You know, another meaning of the word baptizo in the first century was to speak actually of the dying of fabric. So that was another way the word was used. So it, this fabric, if it was white fabric and it was being dyed into a different color, it was baptizo into the new color. And when it would come out, it had that new color. It was never going to return to the, its former color. It couldn't. It was impossible. It had been transformed and changed. Third, baptism is about discipleship. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. That word in the New Testament is Talmudim. And that word Talmudim means that we are his apprentices. We are under the apprenticeship of Jesus. We want to become more like him. The last part of the verses that we read here, in verses 12 to 14, and they're, they're up behind me there, it, it's really pointing to the ongoing work of Jesus in our lives, which involves our will. We, we, we are to see ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus. And, and this miraculous work of regeneration, which really just means we're made alive in Jesus. When we talk about regeneration, we are made alive in him. That, that is a gift of grace that calls us to offer ourselves to God, to be used for his righteous purposes. It involves Every part of ourselves it involves our whole being, it says here in these verses. Our will, our emotions, our minds, every part of ourselves, our physical bodies, surrendered to God. And this isn't, this isn't theoretical. 
This is meant to be immensely practical in our lives. It's how we live. It's the decisions, the choices that we make each day. Rejecting sinful tendencies. Pursuing that which will form us into the image of Jesus to become more like him. To walk in the conviction that our lives on this earth are about discipleship. And so the act of baptism professes death to sin and our resurrection to eternal life. It's allegiance to Jesus. It's a declaration that we are united with him in his death, and we are raised to eternal life in him. But, and I just want to make this point too in all this, the physical act of baptism that we're doing, like the actual going into the water, doesn't do anything. Nothing. The water itself is not doing anything. It's a symbolic act it's a, it, that points to the sign of the regeneration that's taken place in the heart of the person who's being baptized. It has no power in itself in as much as it points to the incredible work of God that's being done in the hearts of the people being baptized. You know, we, we read of the account of the baptism of the Ethiopian in Acts 8, there's this, this cool story of Philip coming to him and this Ethiopian's riding in his chariot and he's, he's reading from Isaiah and he's not sure what to make of all of this and God brings Philip to him and Philip joins him and Philip begins to unpack to him, unpack to him the good news of Jesus and what this all means and how Isaiah's pointing to the Messiah and it says that as they're going along and this is happening, they came upon water and the old Ethiopian official goes, what can keep me, here's water, what can keep me from being baptized? And so right there, he's baptized. He becomes a follower of Jesus. So baptism in and of itself, it's, it's not a check mark. It's, it doesn't get you into a secret society. It doesn't come with like a lifetime guarantee stamp that like now you're good, you have salvation no matter how you live. That is not what baptism is. Baptism itself does not save you. We can look at the thief on the cross. There's the two thieves uh, on either side of Jesus. The one of them accepted Jesus. And Jesus said to him that, in that very hour, he said, this very day you will join me in paradise. He wasn't baptized. He had, he had not had the opportunity to be baptized into Jesus. And yet he was saved. And so we, we understand that the act of baptism itself is not the thing that regenerates us, makes us come alive. But biblically, it is understood as part of the way of following Jesus. In Mark 16, 16, he says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And so, you know, believing and baptized there, they're simultaneous. Like they just, they go together in the eyes of Mark, who's writing that. Baptism is a public confession of this inward conviction that we are surrendered to Jesus. And, and you know, the point of that is that Jesus didn't come and say, hey, say a prayer. Jesus didn't say, fill out a decision card and you're good. Jesus said, follow me and obey my commandments. He never said you needed to, you know, do this checkbox and that checkbox. It was, follow me, come, be my disciple. And so I'm not, I'm not saying in that that there isn't a place to make a decision for Christ. There is. But it's the start 
of a life surrendered to Jesus, not an end unto itself. We live for Christ, which means the conviction, we live for ongoing healing and transformation in our lives as we are formed to be more like Jesus. I need that. I need that every single day. I need to be healed and transformed more and more to become like Jesus. And that's true for every single person. And so I want to I just say, too, if, if you're a follower of Jesus and you haven't taken this, the public step of baptism, as the Ethiopian cl- proclaimed in Acts 8, here's water. What, what can prevent me from being baptized? So I, I would say, and I'm not, I'm not joking, we're ready. And if you're like, right now, if your heart's being gripped and you're like, I need to be baptized right now into Jesus, I'd be like, Let's go. We'll add a fourth. We'll add a fifth. It doesn't matter. We want to be obedient to the Lord. We can always walk through some of what baptism means afterwards if we need to. Okay, lastly here, I just want to quickly end on this. And that is that, fourthly, baptism is about new life. We see this as well in Romans 6. Again, not that baptism in itself has the power to do anything, but in that it is a step of obedience and a public declaration of faith in Jesus, it is a powerful moment that we ha- we're going to do here that speaks to our conviction and desire for new life in Jesus. Our, our, our new life in Christ affirms that our identity, our very identity is in Christ. Our old self Our old way of life is left behind and we are raised to new life. Ephesians 4 speaks of this too, where it speaks of we we put on the new self. There's this taking off. The old self comes off. The new self comes on. And we, we have our minds renewed, it says there in Ephesians 4. We have the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus. And as I as I mentioned in the New Testament, water baptism was seen as simultaneous with coming to follow Jesus. You know, over time as the church, we've sort of separated the two for for various reasons. And and in in some ways, it's very unfortunate that we've done that, right? Where we've, we've kind of separated those two. Because one of the consequences of this is that we sometimes miss the significance of the work of the Holy Spirit in baptism, that we, we do receive the Holy Spirit when we come to follow Jesus. Scripture says we are sealed with him. We receive the Holy Spirit. He's indwelling in us as a follower of Jesus. But Scripture also speaks of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. Peter says that in Acts 2.38 when he's preaching to the crowd. And, and he says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, because Scripture also tells us, to go on being filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5, it's this, this thing of we, we can go on. There's always more. One of, one of the things that we love to say here is there's never, like we've never reached it where we've got all of the Holy Spirit. There's always more, right? Always more. We can always receive more. And so we also know from Scripture that the work of the Holy Spirit, it's him within us who works renewal. He's the one, Romans 8 says, that reminds us that we are God's children. He testifies to our spirit. You are a child of God. How amazing is that? And so, as we, as we enter into witnessing this incredible step of obedience that Alicia 
Michaela and Thomas are taking. Let's Let's be full of anticipation and expectation for this powerful witness of their obedience, their ownership and discipleship to Jesus, and the new life that they are testifying to this morning. But this this also calls all of us, all of us here, to consider the witness of baptism in our lives. If we've we've made this public declaration in our lives before, it, it asks us the question, does my life speak of being surrendered to Jesus? Does it speak of walking in obedience, dying to self, and following the way of Jesus? Or, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, if, if you haven't made that decision, this is an invitation this morning to repent. You know, you know what the word repent means? It simply means to think again. It means to think anew. It means to turn. It means this is the way that I was living. I was going this way. I'm turning around and I'm going this way. I'm following the way of Jesus. That's what it means. That's, that's what Jesus came announcing. He says, repent. Turn, think anew, follow me. Follow the work of my kingdom. Be with me. And so that's an invitation this morning to anyone. And I, if you want to walk in that new life that God offers, if you know that you have a decision to make, if your heart's being gripped this morning, you're like, I, I have a decision that I need to make. I, I need to wrestle with this. I need to respond to what Jesus is inviting me to then I I would love to talk with you and pray with you afterwards about what it means to follow the way of Jesus. All right. Why don't we pray before we get into baptisms? Lord, I want to thank you this morning. Lord, amidst the, the technological difficulties, Lord, amidst some of that stuff that can be a distraction, Lord, you're working and you're speaking and your word is speaking to us this morning. Lord, as we go into this time right now of baptisms, Lord, I, I want to pray that you would be working mightily in Alicia and Thomas and Michaela. And Lord, we want to pray that you'd also be working in us. Lord, that you'd be speaking to us. And Lord, we, we are so expectant for what you want to do in their lives and the way that you're going to move and work in them and through them. And we're so thankful. Jesus, would you be glorified in our midst this morning? Amen. All right.